Want to read or watch the classics and understand what makes them great? If you've ever wondered what makes a particular movie or story so appealing, this show deconstructs storytelling to expose the structure and meaning behind the scenes. My name is Rem Whitcraft, and this is Fiction Briefly. In this podcast, I'll tackle popular films and short stories, which hopefully get you thinking about storytelling in new and interesting ways. In this first season, I'll reveal story structures as described by three prominent researchers in mythology. You may have heard of the 12 stages of a hero's journey, but this show will focus mainly on research preceding Joseph Campbell's contributions. Plot formulas like these have been used to tell stories for thousands of years, from ancient myths all the way to Star Wars. Which brings me to my first show, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. If you haven't seen the movie, I won't reveal the entire plot, but you may want to enjoy the movie first so you can experience all the twists and surprises firsthand. Why start with Star Wars? Not only have most people seen it, but George Lucas's mega-hit shares aspects with newer stories like The Matrix and Harry Potter, Bible stories involving Moses and Jesus, and ancient mythical characters like Oedipus and Romulus. These are all legendary figures who are tasked with saving entire populations. Special from birth, they are separated from one or both of their parents and go on to lead extraordinary lives. Moses saves the Israelites, Jesus saves humanity, Oedipus saves Thebes, and Romulus founds the seat of a whole civilization. Luke's contribution isn't too shabby either. He defends a whole galaxy. In creating Luke, George Lucas mirrors the findings in psychiatrist Otto Rank's work, The Myth of the Birth of the Hero, published in 1909. Here, Rank lists the similarities of many well-known origin stories that have reached legendary status. To begin, Otto Rank's heroes are all born of royal or supernatural parents. Oedipus and Romulus are sons of kings, and of course, there's Jesus, son of God. In Star Wars, Luke's origins were not fully explained until decades later with the release of episodes 1 through 3, but for this show, I'll focus on the character's creation as a whole. Luke does find out he is the son of a special order of Jedi, and the audience learns in other episodes that his mother was a queen. Rank's next distinction for his heroes surrounds their conception. Under normal circumstances, they wouldn't have been born. Think virginal mother, or in Luke's case, his Jedi father was not allowed to marry, so his conception should never have happened. Other similarities to mythical heroes involve danger to the child's life and sacrifices made to save him. You may recall that the Pharaoh wants Moses killed and Oedipus' father wants the same for his son. The child hero then loses or is taken away from his parents to be raised either by animals or discovered by some simple powerless person. Moses is sent down a river in a basket while Oedipus is left on a mountain to be found by a shepherd. Roman myth relates the story of Romulus and his twin suckled by a wolf. For Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan keeps his birth secret to protect him from Darth Vader and delivers him to his aunt and uncle who never tell him about his real parents. As farmers who have no involvement with the Empire or Rebellion, Luke's aunt and uncle fit this mythical role perfectly. 
Rank's list goes on to note that the hero reconciles with a father's representative or takes revenge on his father. Luke is trained in the Force and given scant details of his parentage by Obi-Wan Kenobi, who acts as a mentor. This mentorship is important because Obi-Wan's teachings influence Luke far more than the surrogate father he had his entire life. It's Obi-Wan's words that guide Luke to victory and solidify his new identity. Now that we've covered Luke's extraordinary birth, we can move on to the classic hero's journey. For this part, think fairy tales and myths where the hero isn't necessarily godlike, but accomplishes a series of tasks and comes home transformed. Both Joseph Campbell and Vladimir Propp discovered a combination of a fixed set of actions in many classical tales. The hero's journey includes helpers, sometimes called donors, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, who offers protection and gives Luke his first taste of the magic of the Force. Han Solo and Chewbacca are part of the ancient structure as well. Their ship takes the place of a knight's trusty steed or giant eagle. It's a legendary ship in the story's universe, so legendary that it's practically magical, which we'll touch on later. But first I'll explain more about Vladimir Propp. He published Morphology of the Folktale in 1928, which identified 31 plot points common in the Russian fairy tale. Like most classic tales, Star Wars may not include all 31 points, but the points they include remain in this order. This is slightly different than the standard hero's journey covered in Joseph Campbell's book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which was published in 1949. First in Prop's list is Absentation a member of the family leaves home. In A New Hope, we begin with Princess Leia traveling on her starship on her way back to Alderaan, her home planet. Her droids R2-D2 and C-3PO escape when she's taken prisoner aboard the Imperial Star Destroyer. R2 has been given the plans for the Death Star and a message to deliver them to the rebel base on Alderaan. When Luke's uncle buys the droids, the connection between hero and villain is made. Next, Lucas utilizes the interdiction, when the hero is told to avoid a person or a place. Uncle Owen tells Luke he can't go to Tashi Station and waste time with his friends. He must stay home and clean the droids to prepare them for work the next day. The interdiction adds tension to the plot and sets us up for the next step, which is the violation, where the hero ignores the warning and leaves home anyway. This gives the villain the opportunity to act against the hero's family while he's gone. After tricking Luke into taking off his restraining bolt, R2-D2 sets out on his mission. As Luke and C-3PO go after R2-D2, stormtroopers, who are agents of the villain, kill Luke's surrogate family. Looking at the charred remains of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru creates a point of no return for Luke, which frees him to help Obi-Wan on his mission to deliver R2-D2 and the Death Star plans to Alderaan. At this point, the villain does reconnaissance to aid in his evil plan. Back in his orbital battle station, the Death Star, Darth Vader uses a mind probe on Princess Leia. He says... Trickery is the next step the villain uses in order to capture the victim or steal something valuable. This trickery precedes compliance by the victim who is either forced or fooled. Then villainy occurs. 
Either the villain harms someone or the hero reveals a lack of something he needs. We've already gathered that Luke lacks a father he can look up to, so we'll focus on the villainy. In this sequence, Vader tricks Leia into thinking if she spills her guts, he won't destroy her home planet with the capabilities of the Death Star. She responds with a trick of her own, but the villains destroy Leia's home planet anyway. Leia's feigned compliance actually happens after Luke and the gang venture to the cantina in Mos Eisley. The mediation step also kind of happened already, where the hero learns what he's up against. We see this with the destroyed Jawa caravan and the torched bodies, but the cantina in Mos Eisley is where Luke personally encounters agents of the villain and observes firsthand the power of the Force. Stuck in a roadblock, we hear Obi-Wan's line, These aren't the droids you're looking for. Now the audience has already witnessed Darth Vader impressively choke a critic from afar, but this is Luke's first taste of it. With just the wave of his hand, Obi-Wan redirects a stormtrooper's thoughts because, as he says, the Force can have a strong influence on the weak-minded. Disaster averted, this frees them up to enter the cantina, and here begins the counteraction, where the hero hatches a plan. This is really Obi-Wan's plan, but it sets up the hero for his departure step. Luke and the droids join forces with Han Solo and Chewbacca, and using Han Solo's ship, the Millennium Falcon, the gang sets off to Alderaan. This is where we come to the first function of the donor. With the use of a magical agent or helper, the hero gets tested. On the Falcon, which counts as a magical agent with its renowned speed, I mean, who can forget that it's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs? Luke receives training from Obi-Wan with his new weapon, his father's lightsaber. With this revered Jedi device, Luke fights a laser-shooting orb while blinded by a helmet with a blast shield. He must anticipate where to move based on his connection with the Force. Obi-Wan tells him to stretch out with his feelings, our first clue to how the magic of the Force works. The hero's journey is full of trials, which brings us to the hero's reaction. The classic structure has the hero's skill tested or he frees a captive. He also reacts to the actions of the donor. So Luke and the gang find themselves swallowed by the Death Star after being caught up in its tractor beam. Aldron has been destroyed, and their next task is to escape what Joseph Campbell would call the belly of the whale. In looking for a way to turn off the tractor beam, they find Princess Leia in a detention cell and discover she's scheduled for execution. But Vader thinks she may yet be of some use. Upon seeing Luke in his stolen uniform, Leia says, Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? We see how young and awkward our hero is when he replies, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. But they can't complete their escape without the sacrifice of Obi-Wan, who holds off Vader. When they're finally free of the pursuing TIE fighters, Luke struggles at the loss of yet another father figure. After completing the rescue, the hero is typically guided to an important object. In A New Hope, this object is the rebel base. Luke and the gang deliver plans for the Death Star, revealing its weakness, but unbeknownst to them, the Falcon has led the enemy right to them. Next follows the struggle. Luke fights the Empire in outer space with his X-Wing fighter. He slowly gains confidence in the respect of his companions. 
His friend Biggs has just said, Luke is the best bush pilot in the Outer Rim territories. He's getting cocky. He's already bragged about his experience shooting womp rats. But in the ensuing struggle, he watches the other rebels get shot down or crash into the Death Star surface, one by one. He's all alone and Darth Vader is on his tail, trying to take aim in his TIE fighter. It's a critical moment and Luke closes his eyes. He's listening to a voice in his head, Obi-Wan communicating with him from beyond the grave. Vader senses, Then Vader shoots. Now, in fairy tales, there's often a branding involved where the hero is scarred. We see a major branding in episode 5, but in A New Hope, the injury is symbolic. Luke's ship is not damaged, but R2 is lost. The steps continue and the hero is pursued by an adversary. Vader's targeting system locks on Luke's X-Wing and Vader's about to shoot again when the formula steps in and Han Solo, who didn't want to be part of the fight, swoops in with his Falcon and rescues Luke. Vader's punishment happens out of order, but it's very close. Darth Vader is sent hurtling into space. Next, a difficult task presents itself, which the hero must solve. Luke has switched off his targeting computer to the dismay of everyone on the rebel base. This raises the stakes as we've already seen Red Leader shoot and miss. The target, a thermal exhaust port only two meters wide, needs a precise hit to cause the chain reaction required. Can he do it? Luke shoots and hightails it out of there. The Death Star explodes in a fantastic ring of fire. They're saved. But the formula continues. The hero gains a new appearance and is rewarded, often with the title of king. Luke's transformation is a new outfit for his award ceremony, but he's also been transformed by his trust in the Force. A New Hope ends with Luke receiving a medal from the Rebel Alliance, just icing on the cake after the threat has been neutralized and order restored. Or so it seems. I find that this method of structuring provides a satisfying conclusion time and time again. In fact, these happy endings are so ingrained in us that we're often disappointed when the hero doesn't save the day or get the girl. Especially when anticipating a sequel, there can be an element left hanging, like, will Darth Vader survive? And what will the Empire do next? But in Star Wars 4, there is a decided end to the main conflict in favor of the hero, an end that makes the story feel complete. Other endings can let people down. Take the giant cliffhangers in Star Wars 5, The Empire Strikes Back. I was only four or five when I watched it, and let me tell you, I was devastated. Though now we don't have to wait three years for the conclusion. We can just stream these movies back to back and save ourselves the suspense. Even so, we've been trained by fairy tales and movies which follow the plot structure of the hero's journey, and other endings can just feel wrong. Does following a plot structure make Star Wars any less creative or take away from its appeal? At some level, we know this plot structure by heart from all the other movies and stories we've already seen, and yet writers still manage tension and surprise while creating powerful illusions like the David of an X-Wing fighter beating the Goliath of a Death Star. Think about the name Death Star and its creative genius. It's so iconic they used it in four more movies including Rogue One in Episode 5, a wireframe image in 7, and Wreckage in 9. 
We got to see it from plan stage to construction phase to completion, then crashed and waterlogged. Talk about a great way to connect to Serial Stories universe. So after listening to this program, I want to know, does learning the secrets of storytelling ruin the magic? If not, join me on my next two shows when I analyze the mythic plot structure used in Star Wars Episodes 1 and 7 and consider where the writer succeeded or failed to match the excitement of the original. You can comment on this episode or suggest new content on my Facebook page, Fiction Briefly. I want to thank Kestrel and Mexican Spy Company for all music and sound production for this show. Again, this has been Fiction Briefly, giving you a glimpse into the mind of an artist. Thank you for listening.